welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we're unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Trisha Ryan, and together with Crystal Roberts, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we are exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hey, welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast. Hello to my wonderful co-host, Crystal. You know, we have an impressive guest joining us today, and we're going to be discussing a topic that is close to all three of our hearts, and that is engagement, now and in the future. But first, by way of her bio, let me introduce our guest, Dr. Michelle Corman. Michelle is an expert in the field of employee engagement and culture. As senior principal at Mercer Sirota, Michelle focuses on executing employee life cycle initiatives within organizations, ranging from onboarding to exiting. The initiatives that Michelle touches revolve around assessing culture, climate, performance, as well as leadership and management practices, all as elements leading to engagement. Michelle has a deep background in academia, both as a student and as a former adjunct professor at the City University of New York. She has conducted years of research with expertise in leader personality, business ethics, organizational climate and culture, and the ways these factors interact to impact employees. Welcome, Michelle Corman. Thank you so much, Tricia and Crystal. I'm really excited to be here today. We are so happy to have you here. This is going to be an exciting thing. This is something that uh, I know that you um, absolutely are committed to, but both Crystal and I have spent a lot of time in the world of engagement, and it means so much to, you know, a healthy culture. So we're so glad to have you. We're really excited to have you, Michelle, and we're glad that you said yes to our invitation. I know this has been kind of in the works for for a couple of months. I'm glad to finally see you here. And I'm just going to put in a personal word too. So we, of course, love, have loved working with you in the past. You've got such expertise. That's been so much fun to learn from you. But I also want to just say what a joy it's been to work with you personally. So you're so energetic and positive, and we can always guarantee that we're going to see a smile when we talk Mm -hmm. with you. And so I always look forward to my calls with Michelle. So that has been super fun. I want to give you that shout out that it's not only great because of your expertise and skills and wisdom that you bring to this work, but also who you are as a person. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I'm Mm going to jump in there and and ditto that. I want to say the energy for one thing is great. Your your positive attitude makes it really easy to focus on the things that are really important. And the way that we interact with each other on, you know, in our our connection through business that we have together, um, it's just a joy to every single time I get to do work with you. And I have learned so much from you, and I've been doing engagement for a long time, but I have learned so much in the short time that we've known each other. I'm just stoked. And so we have to keep this relationship going for a while. This is great. <laughs> so 100%. You know, I'm, I'll be talking a little bit later about personality and how we're a- 
accurately able to gauge each other's personality. And I tell you what, when I first met the two of you, I knew that this was going to be a wonderful friendship. So thank you so much for everything, the partnership, the friendship, and for inviting me to be here today. It's so exciting. Yeah, well, it's our pleasure that you're here. So So I'm going to go ahead and start us off, and I'm going to say, Michelle Corman, tell us your story. Excellent. Thanks, Tricia. Well, I was raised in a military family, and I bounced all around the United States and have moved a total of 21 times in my lifetime, if you can believe that. Um, If you ask me from as young as seven years old what I wanted to be when I grew up, I had an answer. And that was I was going to be a lawyer. I'm obviously not a lawyer, right? (laughs) But I was very determined to head down this path until about halfway through my undergraduate degree. So I had majored in political science, which is what a lot of folks do to head toward that uh, law school trajectory. And I realized I just wasn't into it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was most passionate about the psychology classes that I was taking as electives. And one day, I, I was like, oh, I get to study for my psychology exam tomorrow. And I was excited about it. And I had this aha moment or this, what am I doing moment, right? <laughs> so yeah. I decided to switch majors and I didn't know what in psychology, what I wanted to do. But what I was most nervous about was telling my mom because mm-hmm. my mom was so excited and would tell anyone who listened that her daughter was going to become a lawyer. Mm. So I finally worked up the courage. I told her and she said, that's great. She said, whatever you wind up Mm. doing, you're going to do great. And I'm 100% behind you. Mm. And I tell you what, that's one of those moments that matter. One of those moments that I'll never forget. Oh my gosh. You know, that is like uh, so amazing. And isn't it funny? Our parents usually are the ones who know all along. They're just waiting for us to come around, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And how so, it's so important to follow your passion and your interest. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that's something I tell my son all the time. Right. You know, I mean, he's he's eight years old, so he doesn't really have a firm grasp on work and careers and that it's the majority of your lifetime that you're dedicating to whatever thing or path you choose. But I think it's so important that we do exactly that. We follow our heart. We follow our true passion because that's how we ensure that we're having a good time at work. Yeah. Well, I guess that it's a good thing that I didn't talk to my mom when I was in college about when I was five and what I wanted to be was either a ballerina or a waitress. Hmm. (laughs) Awesome. So I wound up taking, when I was in my undergrad um, trajectory, I wound up taking a capstone course that talked about careers within psychology. All I knew was I was fascinated in people. I thought the way we interact with each other was really interesting and I was really interested in the brain. Right. Um, But I learned in that capstone course about this subdiscipline called industrial and organizational psychology. So in addition to there being way too many syllables in that subdiscipline, Mm -hmm. it really comes down to in a nutshell, it's the study of people at work. Mm -hmm. Right. So I thought, you know, that sounds really cool. So I wound up going to grad school and earning my Ph.D., where I spent 11 years at the City University of New York researching, learning, and teaching. Um, After that time, I decided I wanted to go out into practice. 
And I started that part of my career at a small boutique consulting firm just north of New York City called Sirota Consulting. There were 85 of us in total. And there I really started to get hands-on with employee engagement, right? And we specialized in helping organizations tap the true potential of their workforce. And really a good way to do that is through understanding the extent to which people are motivated and proud and willing to advocate for their organization. So after a couple of years there, my company announced that they were planning to open up an office in California's Bay Area. And something in my gut told me that that was my next act, that I needed to go out there. I just had this feeling that that was what I needed to do. So I put my hand up and I offered to come out to the Western United States. And I'm so glad I did because that opened up so many doors for me. I helped build out our office and assumed a leadership role. I like to refer to my team as small but mighty um, and that these folks do so much and have such a majorly positive effect on workforces all across the Western United States. So fast forward three years, um, Sirota, the small boutique firm, was acquired by a massive HR consulting firm called Mercer. This was about five years ago. And since then, while I've maintained this focus and employee engagement, I've branched out into broader employee listening. So my goal at the end of the day is to help my clients answer their burning questions about their workforce, which in turn informs their people's strategies. So in short, though I didn't become a lawyer, (laughs) I'm doing what I set out to do after that, and that's studying people at work. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, people are fascinating, especially at work. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love the fact that you had the courage to raise your hand Mm -hmm. and, and to say, I'm not exactly sure what this is going to look like, but I think it sounds like something that may be good for me and good for the organization. And so I'm going to travel all the way across the United States and help start up that, that new practice. So I love that. Yeah. And then the, and then sticking with it and even in the midst of a, a change to a new organization or a was it a merger? Did you say it? Acquisition. An acquisition. Yeah. 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 Acquisition. So yeah, that's awesome. That's like a, a true testament to bravery and resilience in a sense, because you're, you know, it's, you have to be resilient, I think, to be able to number one, start someplace without a, without a support system, you know, because it's true, unless you have a lot of friends on the West Coast, you came out here and you were pretty much alone, right? That's, that's a hard thing to do. And it's not often, um, or it's often a, case where people will be successful, but not unless they've gone through a lot of hoops and trials to get there. So, you know, bravo to you. That's really awesome. And it's great to see that kind of bravery um, actually pay off. Yeah, thank you. And you know, I attribute a lot of that to being raised in a military family, Mm -hmm. because that was what we did every few years Mm -hmm. is we packed up and we moved to a strange place where I was the new kid in new surroundings and had to navigate a new environment. And I tell you what, I've gotten to where I kind of like it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I also was thinking about, um, you know, staying with a company um, in those different phases too that says a lot for the company as well. It does. You know, and we think about engagement and we we think about sort of loyalty of our employees 
like they're stepping stepping up and and being the example for that as well at least i'm sure every company has its challenges but to move through those phases with a company that means that they're doing something right right and that's engagement and at its best, mm-hmm. isn't it? It's like when things aren't going absolutely great, you know, acquisitions are really hard for usually both sides. Um, you know, I've been on both sides of that fence and it it can be really hard for people who are being acquired to really feel their value and all sorts of, you know, feel like they, they matter to the business and that they even have a future. And so, you know, it's, it's, great that you had a company that did whatever they needed to do to ensure that people didn't feel that they were left out there all by themselves because that's sort of what it feels like sometimes so that's awesome yeah and that kind of takes us into our next question when we think about engagement and we know a lot of organizations are struggling with this right now given everything that that the world has gone through and we're still going through so the past few years have presented numerous challenges for organizations and their employees. One of the front of mind concerns for leaders was navigating through the challenges associated with leading remotely. How did this impact inform or change the work you and your team did and the outcomes that you've seen? So this is going to sound wild. When a majority of the world shifted to remote work a couple of years ago, it actually leveled the playing field for me and my team. So Mm -hmm. we went fully remote in 2017. So we're going on five years now that we've been navigating that environment, which at the time when we first went fully remote was extremely challenging because we were often the only ones attending meetings virtually when everyone Mm -hmm. else was in a conference room. So any glitches in technology caused major disruptions and we were typically the only ones who felt it, right? Mm -hmm. Also, there's something we said about viewing tiny people around a large conference room table. It's hard to see those nonverbal cues, like when somebody's not understanding or not tracking with what you're laying out or when people are getting bored and so on. So you see when everyone shifted to virtual and everyone is attending virtually, things actually seem easier, in my opinion, as long as everyone has their webcam on. Mm. Yeah. Um, so to me, I'm going to go off on a bit of a diatribe if it's okay. Yeah. It's a bit disheartening to see workers who have demonstrated that they can work from home, often at higher productivity levels, needlessly being recalled back into an office. Because I'm a firm believer that remote work works. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what we've seen as well. And I know that the hybrid is, which is what you're talking about, also that challenge where you've got people that are on a screen and people in a room that has its own set of challenges. So yeah, if you can work from home, you've proven that you can work from home. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the organization I work for right now struggles with that a little bit. I think there are some leaders who completely see the value in it and they're, they're trying to, um, they're trying to be flexible because there are other leaders who don't believe that. And, you know, until we get everybody to understand that there is a positive difference when people are able to work where it matters to them um, and that the engagement is so much higher. They just don't understand that though, because they think being in the office is engagement. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's a, a, 
it's a learning curve, you know, and I think it's going to take a while, but I'm hopeful that, and I hate to say this, but I hope that the continuance of this pandemic, the fact, I, I don't love the fact that we have it, but it, it forces people to think that, you know, we're going to keep having waves. And so mm-hmm. it's not yeah. unheard of that people would want to be continuing to work from home and continuing to be effective from home. Let's, let's look for, you know, the silver lining in some of this and see where we are actually benefiting from it as opposed to how we're, we're doing a favor for people, you know, in a way it's, it sort of feels that way. So that's, um, I, I'm glad you went off on that. Actually. I think that it's something that a lot of people have been a little bit concerned about, but not quite mm-hmm. feeling brave enough to bring forward, you know, because there's so many people that don't necessarily believe that. So let me ask you, you know, you've been working in engagement for several years now. What surprises have you encountered? In a nutshell, the extent to which common sense can be so uncommon, right? So (laughs) albeit rarely, sometimes I'm working to convince leaders the importance of treating their team members with respect and dignity. And sadly, sometimes I can only get through on this by highlighting what's in it for them. And I attribute this to the fact that often when climbing the ladder, there's a people management requirement at some point in most people's career. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, not everyone is good at or even wants to manage people. Yeah. But they do it as a means to advance their own career. Mm-hmm. However, I have what the caveat I have to put out there is that it does not represent the majority of leaders. Mm-hmm. However, when there is this mismatch, it can be far reaching and long lasting. Um, The most devastating part of it is that our experiences at work bleed into our personal lives and vice Mm -hmm. versa. So when these experiences at work are negative, particularly with our boss who has so much influence over our experience at work, the spillover is a negative as well. And we've all seen it, Mm -hmm. right? Some of us have been unfortunate enough to experience it firsthand, you know, and this, you see this through that person who can't disconnect after work. The person who feels like, oh, I just got an email from my manager. I better go sign on, right? Or even if it's not that, if it's not that active, they're replaying these negative experiences that they've had and they just can't let it go. And um, it it can have really lasting negative effects on folks. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest surprise that I've seen is just the underbelly or the disengaging piece that I see so often. That's the reason there's still a need for these initiatives and organizations. Yeah, you know, I love that you said that because I think about this a lot, the fact that, you know, I, I use this term a lot of point of reference. And so when, when leaders have not had a good point of reference above them as they were coming up the, the pipeline, right, often they do what they think is the is right. Sometimes they're making it up in their head or sometimes they're using that point of reference they did have, which wasn't healthy, to um, follow. And if they're in an environment where their boss was never reprimanded for that kind of behavior, then that ripple effect you're talking about is very far-reaching. And it doesn't just reach to the edges of an organization. It reaches to the customer base. It reaches to, to your point, their family. And those, to me, that's toxicity. And so, you know, I, 
I find it really interesting that we're in the 21st century and we're still seeing a lot of the practices right now that I remember reading about that were happening in the 40s and 50s and you know and stuff. And so when when we hear about people wanting to unionize now, you know, again, you have to you have to wonder is it are we going back to the way it used to be and are we at a point where you know people have had it i'm i'm no longer going to take this toxic leadership i can't do it anymore there's your great resignation isn't it yeah part of it you know so wow interesting that on top of being recalled into an office yeah. right yes. that may or may not work out for me now we as part of our assessments we often ask people do you want to return to the office and to what extent it's important to note that not everyone wants to work from home. There are a number of people who just prefer for whatever reason to be in a working environment. But I tell you what, recruiters, when they're knocking on the door of our workforce, one of the first things they're saying today is you can work remotely 100% of the time. One of the things that I think is interesting about that too, for those people that, that do work from home is the friction piece about how easy it is now to work for different organizations. So where, you know, where you were saying, of course it was the same organization, but where you had to move cross country, that's a big, big lift, right? For most people, a little easier for you because if you've, we're used to, you know, moving around from your, from when you were young, but for most people moving across the, the country is a huge thing. So if I'm going to change employers and I really want this job, I'm going to have to move now it's just, okay, I'm clicking into a new uh, website, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm still sitting in my same house in my same neighborhood, you know, um, in my same chair. So mm -hmm. I was thinking how important, like engagement is important, has, was all, has always been important, right? We know it actually is one of the drivers for successful organizations. And now it's so easy for people to, to change jobs. It's, you know, really important to be able to keep employees engaged unless you are happy with having this um, constant in and out of your organization. So I don't know any thoughts about that, about the importance of engagement now that we have more people that are working from home. Yeah, absolutely. So really leading with empathy is so critical right now, right? And listening is so important because through the pandemic and through everything that people have experienced, we don't know what folks have going on in their home lives. I mean, I think about when um, schools shifted to distance learning, right? And women were at a large disadvantage at work because that was where a lot of the caregiver responsibility was, was falling for the children. So, you know, leaders and managers who were sensitive to the challenges that, you know, whether it's women, whether it's folks who have uh, other caregiver responsibilities, maybe they're caring for elderly, what have you, but just having that open dialogue or that approachability mm. that, you know, your people can come to you and talk to you about their challenges and know that you're going to work with them to come up with a solution to help alleviate those challenges, I think is so incredibly engaging. Yeah, absolutely. Any surprises? I'm kind of going off script a little bit, but yeah, any surprises with um, the question that I really wanted to find out as, as 
organizations are going through the pandemic, any surprises around the engagement um, that you've seen, changes in engagement, mm-hmm. what matters, or even engagement scores in general, everything's sort of tanked or um, those, that sort of thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm a numbers nerd. So this is totally like up in my wheelhouse. It really depends on the organization and the sector and how the pandemic was handled from the outset, right? So when I come back to this whole notion of leading with empathy, right? And when employees who found themselves in this crazy scenario where, okay, we could get really sick, really sick just by going to the grocery store. Now we're shifting to working from home, but some people are required to be on site. You know, this whole notion of leading with empathy, having strong communication about, okay, here's where we are right now, even even knowing that that could change next week. When employees feel that they've been cared for and their circumstances are brought into consideration, we've actually seen engagement scores go up. Um, within these organizations. Now I do have some exceptions, right? So in healthcare um, and other essential work kind of environments like food service, folks working in um, groceries, we've seen engagement scores go down through the pandemic. And I don't think that that's so much of a function of leadership and management as it typically is, but more of a function of the circumstance, right? And you see more fear coming in, right? So I'm going to work, I'm risking life and limb, especially at the beginning of the pandemic before there was a vaccine, right? And then the pandemic has been so highly politicized. You have folks who don't even believe that COVID is real right? And will spit in the face of folks within some of these organizations simply for asking them to put on a mask, right? So that has major impacts on folks. And it's hard to feel motivated to want to give your best when you're being beat down by the public on a daily basis. So it really depends. Yeah, yeah. And that that divide, though, is just, to me, it's it is still a little bit frightening to think that that we are in a place where there are people who are denying it as if it is not a it is it's being made up anybody who is getting sick is getting sick from something else and they're calling it covid um and then there are other people who believe that um that it's very real and they're not willing to leave it's almost it's almost making people a bit phobic one way or the other, you know, and um, it's, it's unfortunate. This is that well, mental well-being that we've been talking about throughout all of COVID. You know, it has hit everybody in one way or another. And, uh, but engagement, you know, it's, it's something that and I'm going to go ahead and take that one question, Crystal, if you don't mind. It's like, um, there are so many people that are unhappy or frightened or not quite engaged at all because they're just going through the motions day after day after day. Right. And we keep hearing that engagement is, it starts with the leader. And my question is, does it start with the leader? And if it does, great. If it doesn't just start with the leader, what, what does that look like to you? Where does engagement reside? That's a good question. And I'm not sure how many people would agree with me on on this, but I feel that engagement resides in the hearts and minds of the workforce. 
So I've heard anecdotally, like I mentioned earlier on, that you can pretty accurately gauge someone's personality within 90 seconds of meeting them. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is true for workplaces as well. And it comes through via engagement or disengagement, right? And you can see it and feel it the moment you walk into any workplace. And you, you get this by just looking around and noting, does everyone seem happy to be there? Are they acknowledging each other and you with warmth and kindness? What does a place look like? Is it tidy or is everything sort of strewn about? And what's wild is there's research showing that 95% of people show up to work on their first day revved up and ready to go. That is, we're engaged even before we start our first day at a new job. Think about your first day at your current job. You probably got ready for it the night before, laying out your best, let's go get them outfit, right? You probably daydreamed about all the experiences and opportunities to shine that were ahead of you. And at the end of the day, in my opinion, it's up to management to not suck that motivation out of their workforce. And we've all seen it. And that brings me back full circle to that manager or leader who frankly should not be leading people. So back to this question, in my opinion, engagement resides in all of us. And disengagement is something that's done to us. And it's up to management to not zap that natural motivation that we all bring to the table. Wow. I'm writing that down. Disengagement is something (laughs) that happens to us because I hadn't really ever thought of it that way. But it makes total sense. I mean, it completely makes sense. Um, and it is something I, I hear often that, you know, leaders are the ones who drive engagement. But recently I was talking to some leaders who said, hey, it's not up to me to drive engagement. I, it's not my job to engage other people. It's their job to come in engaged. And it's like, okay. And it started me thinking about that. You know, it's like, I, I have always believed it was everyone. Um, you know, if I'm, it's, it's that discretionary effort, right, that I, I'm willing to put forth to do a good job for the organization and show that I'm adding value for you. But that's that's up to me. But that disengagement portion, I hadn't really thought of it that way, and that's absolutely what happens. It's, it's sort of like coming into a, a culture with an idea of what the culture is, right? And the culture in its dysfunction, if it is, will bring you down to their level or to their level so that you then are enculturated, if you will, you know, Mm -hmm. and you become complacent or whatever the, you know, whatever the issue is for the organization. But this engagement thing is the same thing because it drives culture, right? I mean, engagement kind of drives culture. Yeah. I really believe that we need to be setting up the environment for people who want to do their best, which is most of us to be able to do that and flourish. Yeah, yeah. And that is a leader responsibility to to set the parameters for that. And then it's a partnership with everybody creating that for each other too. That's right. how we show up every day, whether we're a leader um, in a formal role or not, or a Mm -hmm. leader just in the fact that we influence others. Um, That's so important because we see that where people are additive that positive additive or the person who's detracting um, Mm -hmm. and and taking away from people's experience 
But you know, it's interesting. Leaders don't always see that it's a choice. (laughs) There is Mm. choice here. That is a choice they're Mm. making. And, you know, they, they may not, they may just wash through that thinking, no, no, you know, we're just, we're, we're fine. Everything's fine. But if they're not looking, you know, they're not, they're not opening their eyes, right? They're not acting awake. But if they are, um, if they are acting awake at all, um, then they can see, or they should be able to see when people are not walking the path the way they mm-hmm. think they should or the way they would hope they would. And um, that's a choice. You can either let them continue the way they are or you can find out what's wrong or what's what could be better and you can work on it, right? Yeah, I think attitudes are contagious, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. And that's why that positivity is so critical, especially from top down, right? And just coming in and showing that positivity because mm-hmm. at the other end of the coin, that negativity, the bad attitude, in my opinion, it spreads like an infection throughout an organization where it's so easy to catch it if everyone around you is exhibiting that. Yeah. Trisha, you want me to take the next one since you you took my question? Yeah, since I stole yours, (laughs) you could steal mine first. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you give to leaders who are looking for ways to engage their employees during these uncertain times? I love this question. You know, I think it's really important to keep in mind that leaders are in a unique position to help their workforce cope with one of the most profound dynamic series of events that we have faced in decades. And that brings me back full circle to leading with empathy and the criticality of that and simply asking somebody, how's everything going? Or do you need anything from me can go a really long way. And also as a leader, if you see that someone on your team is struggling, offer support and offer it right away. This could be simply through providing some much needed time off or coming up with a more flexible work arrangement that someone could really use. So listening is critical. And so is recognizing the talent that is right in front of you, especially Mm. in this hot job market, right? Yeah. So we did a study recently. um, It was a turnover study for one of our clients where we linked their engagement survey data that was from like six months prior to a people file that had listed people who had left since taking the survey and those who had stayed. We just did a linkage analysis, linking these things together. And what we found was the biggest predictor of turnover was feeling recognized by leadership. Mm -hmm. And in fact, those employees who had marked on their survey that they had felt recognized by leadership were 14 times less likely to leave Mm -hmm. than those who didn't. And what's more, if you think about it, appreciating somebody for a job well done and telling them so takes only a few moments and it doesn't cost a thing. Yeah. 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 It's It's the most cost effective way of engaging your workforce. That's wonderful. Oh, well, and, and here's the other thing about that. I think is so profound and what you were just saying about empathy, right? How important empathy is and, and listening. So this is not rocket science. So, and nothing has changed. Like everybody keeps looking for what's new, what's the new thing we need to do in order to keep our employees and keep people engaged. It's like, no, no, it's (laughs) what you need to do is get really good at what we know works. Right. And it, 
prioritize right now is the empathy, but empathy has always been important. It's just right now, that's probably something we really want to focus on, but all those other things about what matters in employee engagement, Mm -hmm. they still count. All those things still count. Yeah. It kind of goes back to what you were saying. I'm just making this connection right now um, to, to the fact that, um, oh shoot, what were you, you had said something about um, it's, what what we should all know sort of common knowledge kind of well i wish i would have written that down now can you remember what you said um sometimes common sense isn't so common, common. yes right. that's exactly it yeah yeah so for all the leaders that are listening out there that are wringing their hands about oh my gosh what's the new thing that i need to know it's like no take a deep breath yeah. it's actually all these things that you know already that are core are fundamental those things are still really important, but we've got to be really good at them. We've got to get good at them. You know, totally. I, I'm going to just pipe in here for a second. And that, I think that's both of you are brilliant in this. And that is that, that these are not new concepts. And right. it seems that we have to, re, you know, revive this stuff every seven to 10 years or whatever, right? It's <laughs> cyclical in a way, but the messages are getting clearer, and that's what I think is different. Um, I remember when we had these same discussions when I worked for a major corporation in San Francisco a long time ago, and it was something that our leadership just absolutely lost sleep over. You know, how are we going to keep our people engaged? We have a million of them, and we need to make sure that we're keeping them working forward. We've got a huge initiative, and that is we're going to communicate differently in every way right and it was interesting the messages that came from organizations that did engagement back then it was more like a secret sauce that they brought and they fixed you and then they went away and it worked for a while but Mm -hmm. what i'm hearing michelle are these are common sense things. This is like real yeah. world life stuff. And what I love is we're at a time in our world where we don't have the luxury of just packing into some secret sauce that's going to go away after a while. We have to be a lot more intentional about how we fix or how we move forward. Yeah. And your messages to me are common sense, the kinds of things that you can actually put into play without to your point, you know, it doesn't cost anything to, to recognize somebody or to acknowledge them. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. those are things that everybody should know, but not everybody was raised with in a world where that was the norm. And so for them, it might be very, very uncomfortable to recognize somebody else. It may seem too vulnerable. Right. So this is a, it's a really interesting, um, moment to me right now that we're talking about something that is this is the time when we actually could fix this you know it doesn't have to be that cycle over and over again we could actually change the world with this kind of stuff and it's simple right that's right employees need to feel heard and we need to feel appreciated right and i had mentioned that I study all kinds of things within organizations and a big one right now centers around attraction and retention, Mm -hmm. right? Because the job market is so hot right now. So one of the big questions that, you know, folks in HR have is 
know, when it comes to our benefits and our total rewards, what are the things that employees really value? What are the things that really attracts them? And my answer 10 times out of 10 is let's ask them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because the specifics do change. That's right. The, the attraction of the ping pong tables and slides in the corporate office aren't, <laughs> don't attract mm-hmm. the same as they did right now. It's, can we stay, can we work from home? And that's so I right. can walk my dog at lunch. Right. That's more important than having a ping pong table that I have to commute an hour and a half to. Yeah. And it uh, can be a lot less expensive. I mean, we've got, we've got leaders and, and we've got people who are in those, uh, you know, benefits areas that are trying to figure out what's the next mm-hmm. best and doing it in a vacuum. And they're, they're not quite hitting the mark and they're spending a lot of money and time doing it. And so if they were to just do to your point, go out to the workforce and say, what is it that, that would make you feel that you were, you know, you were being, you know, compensated in a way that not just money, but, you know, different things, different benefits that will make you feel like you want to come back. We're doing, we're doing right by you, you know. Um, I think they'd find that there's a lot of stuff out there that doesn't really cost anything, you know. So, yeah, awesome. Awesome. So, dear friend, what's next? <laughs> that's, that's the hardest question you've asked me, right? <laughs> so, as you know, I've been with my current firm for almost 11 years now. I have a really great boss who I really appreciate and appreciates me. I've advanced a lot over the years. I get to work on really cool projects with really cool people. (laughs) And most importantly for me is that I'm able to achieve my work-life balance needs. And this is so important to me because I have an eight-year-old son. And these are the times that he is really going to remember through his childhood. And I'm very proud to say that I'm very present in his life. So though I don't know what's next for me right now, I feel like I will know when I get there. Oh, mm-hmm. lovely, lovely. And I know that you've been making some strides within your own organization and moving moving up. So, you know, maybe that is your next step is to find out what that what that feels like, right, for a while? Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I definitely feel appreciated and heard. You know, all the mm-hmm. things that I've been talking about today, I'm lucky enough to experience these things at work. You know, I know that if I go to my boss and I have some kind of challenge facing me, he's in my corner, right? And he trusts me. He knows that, you know, when I say I'm working on this thing, that I'm doing that, I don't need to be babysat, you know? And that's, I feel like that's what everybody mm-hmm. needs. So, so wonderful. Yes. Listen, Michelle Corman, we are so thrilled that you came on today. This has been, to me, this has been sort of a, you know, a vitamin to my heart, number one, because it's something I feel very strongly about, but it's been a great conversation and I have so enjoyed your energy here. Thank you. Thank you. I would love to have experience like this with you guys again. And this has been so much fun. We'll bring you back. Um, Awesome. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. We want to see what I was thinking. Gosh, there has been so much change and we're about to go through another one. Mm -hmm. We don't know for sure we'll be in a recession, but it looks like things are headed that way. Right. So we have even more change um, that's coming. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Um, I, I learned so much. Uh, you know, I, I 
we've worked together. So I was thinking, hmm, what, what more am I going to learn? And of course, every time I always learn something. So we have a lot of nuggets that we're going to be able to capitalize on. This is awesome. <laughs> love it. And thank yeah. you so much. This has been a lot of fun. And I, I always love geeking out with you too. <laughs> Likewise. Right. All right. Take care. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Wow. That was such an engaging engaging and we were talking about engagement such an engaging episode and i just loved michelle's spirit and energy and really appreciated everything that she shared with us so let's keep the conversation going if you have questions or comments about the show you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders there are so many exceptional podcasts coming up with other fantastic guests as well So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring or informative, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through leader coaching, please contact us through our website. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Lastly, please subscribe to our podcast. It's free. Thank you, Trisha, for co-hosting with me. Thank you. Thanks to our audience for listening. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a fantastic week. Take care.